0: From the control room of the TARDIS, it's the IGN Guys. Now here are two men who've never been to Metabellus 3, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. <laughs> Very appropriate intro, because uh, I got us some Doctor Who to talk about today, Mark.
1: Oh, joy.
0: Yeah, I do. I got us some Doctor Who. I am going to shove some British television down your unholy gullet.
1: I want, here's what I want. What do you want? I want to take a vacation on the week that you do China Beach and Doctor (laughs) Who and a whole bunch of British crap no one cares about. (laughs) (laughs) my ultimate show. Oh,
0: that's too much fun just too much grand fun um you know seriously are, do you feel like uh, with you know can out of the way and uh kind of you know some of the summer movies getting out of the way and by the way what fast and the furious six seriously like,
1: yeah, it's holding pretty well uh, it's
0: amazing just, holding
1: pretty well i guess
0: i guess that that franchise has that thing almost went straight to video did you know that what the 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 original no this one the number six
1: why would number six go straight to video when number five did well
0: I, because you know that's just how they think. There's no accounting for the psychotic behavior at studios. Nobody knows. But uh, anyhow, no the uh, the summer uh, movie season is. Uh,
1: it's almost is, time for Superman. Yeah. It's almost time for Superman. Anyway. It's going to be good. No, it's not. We'll see. Superman. We'll see. You're thinking it's going to be good, and you don't want to admit it.
0: I once I, once I see it, I will uh, I will be absolutely honest with everybody. All I know is all I know is if, if in point of fact. Krypton is not destroyed. That's dumb. Who cares? It has to be destroyed. That's Why? The whole point? Because well, he's, he's the last. He's alone. Last survivor. He's,
1: well, but okay. Maybe it's not destroyed. But in it, not he's just lost. Destroyed. Maybe he's just lost.
0: He's just lost. Maybe. Darn. Maybe he can find somebody to walk him home again. Don't
1: uh, don't judge it till you see it. I know. Whatever. Look, I, look, look how much they reinvented the Star Trek canon, and you love <laughs> those movies. Yeah yuck <laughs>
0: all right we got uh do we do we, any stories any news anything of significance to talk about that, that's uh noteworthy titles coming out uh things to announce do, you, do you, i was gonna ask you do you feel like oscar season is shaping up are you looking forward to all the stuff that came out of Cannes?
1: well i'm looking forward to the one the one that won the uh, palm door of course of course that'll be an instant front i'm looking forward best, to uh,
0: to inside lewin davis i'm looking forward oh, to, oh, to Coen oh, Brothers that's for sure. gonna be good looking forward to nebraska
1: Ooh, Bruce Dern. I know, We right. grew up on Bruce Dern.
0: I'm looking forward to the new Oscar Farhadi, The Past. yeah. Because, you know, Bernice Bejo just won Best Actor. Okay,
1: here's, here's, here's the thing. You ready? Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see what else we got. Okay, David O. Russell's new film comes out the end of the year, American Hustle. Might be good. Nebraska, as you say, might be good.
0: James Gray's the Immigrant. That's right. At which time I can tell all my James Gray stories.
1: Uh, new Scorsese, Wolf of Wall Street comes out.
0: You, you, you do realize, it's so weird to me, I'm going to tell James Gray's story right now. It's so weird to me when I think back. My first year in film school, uh, I took time out because Brian Burke, who you know I introduced to Matt, who introduced him to JJ, and now Brian Burke is executive producer of Star Trek, and, and he runs JJ's company, and he's you know big big cheese. Brian calls me and says. Uh, Come on down, help me shoot my uh, my two ninety because you know the two ninety is the first Super Eight film that you make in film school. And Brian got into USC at the time, so he was first year at USC. I was I I may have been my second year at UCLA anyway, and. Uh, Brian lived, you know, with his parents, only a few blocks away from UCLA. So I just, you know, I got out of class, and I shoot down, and he's setting up this stuff for some Halloween story that he's telling these kids on Halloween. And uh, and here I am with the guy who will f- be the future executive producer of Lost and Star Trek, and having absolutely no clue that the, you know, he, he's Brian, right? he's just little Brian, and uh, he introduces me to his, his cinematographer, uh, Bob, James Gray and uh James is just uh, uh, utterly uh, malcontent with the the lack of preparation that Brian has there and you know James is just like he doesn't want to be there he's rolling his eyes funniest man i'd ever met to that point uh, the driest sense of humor utterly unbelievable and so flash forward uh 25 some odd 22 some odd years or whatever and uh look where they are look where i am
1: all i know i'm is... sitting
0: here with you <laughs> what did i do wrong
1: is that if you had said to Brian little, little baby Brian back then Do you realize in 20 years you are going to executive produce a $190 million movie version of Star Trek? I don't think – well, first of all, he wouldn't believe you because back then movies didn't cost $190 million. Let
0: me tell you. If I had told Brian that at the time, Brian would have said, damn right I am. He would have. He fully
1: expected to. That's good. He he has confidence. Wade, they're vacuuming. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear it. It's wonderful.
0: We're a professional show. Okay. They're
1: vacuuming the studio. The studio where we tape our show is being vacuumed.
0: We've got a Vox Box today. And by the way, you know, we, 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 we love the people who send in the Vox Boxes. We really do. But there's a No, not yet. Oh. But there's a, it's a small group of you. You, 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 you know, we, we want other people to speak to us as well. We, we, uh, we, you know, we love the people who are A personalities out there and they ask us questions. But we need some Vox Boxes from nobody, from people who have never sent us one before. So please send us your Vox Boxes to com. If you have a computer, if you have a microphone, and every computer has a microphone, just go ahead and send it to us. E- even if you don't know how to separate the video from the audio, that's okay. We can do that. Put a put a bag over your head or hide yourself from the camera or whatever if you don't want to be on camera. And just send it in. We'll strip the uh, the video out and we'll we'll use the audio. I can do that. It, it modern technology. The tools are amazing. So uh, the yeah, vacuum's
1: getting louder. That's fine.
0: It's it's part of the show. It's part of the show. And then you can go out and you can bludgeon the uh, the person who's using the vacuum cleaner. You can bludgeon the cleaning crew. And then we'll capture it on the show, and it'll it'll become like a like a spy thing.
1: Will you also capture my my trial? Yeah, and conviction.
0: Why not? It'd wow. be awesome. We'll put it all on the show. It'll it'll wow. be it'll be reality uh, podcast. Anyway. No, gods at digigods.com. We need more cool Vox boxes from people who've never asked us anything before. We need new personalities to immortalize on our show. Mark, uh, how about if I uh, if I crank through some television, some British television?
1: Oh, you know how much. I, know. I love the British television.
0: I know, I know. And then we'll let you get to uh, other, other regular television. Uh, Spy, series two. Uh, I can't remember if we actually talked about series one on this show or not.
1: Season one.
0: Uh, you know Darren Boyd and Robert Lindsay. This is a uh, Robert Lindsay's really funny guy. This is a this is a very clever and funny uh, British television show. This is the second season of it. It is uh, you know it, it it it's about a guy. It's about a father and his son basically, and um, the dad becomes. It's a little bit like what's the, what's the American show about the guy Ted or something? Uh, he was a, a Ed or was it Ed? Who? Or, or the guy who becomes a spy inadvertently. Ed. What was that show? Jones? I don't remember. Anyway, the
1: guy, wait, what? Wait, is this a, like a drama on TV?
0: Yeah, no, it was a comedy. It was a comedy about that guy who became a spy.
1: Oh, it it was on NBC, right, Chuck? Yeah,
0: you, Chuck. Yeah. Thank you. See, you're the TV guy. I knew that you'd you'd be all over that. Anyway, well, this is a little bit similar, except it adds a, a father son dynamic into it, and uh, it's 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 it, You know, by the time we get to the second series here, it is uh, it is perfectly adorable. Uh, Top-notch, the Bletchley Circle, cracking a killer's code. Originally aired on PBS here. This is terrific, about a quartet of women who uh, had uh, done a great job as code breakers during World War II. And uh, now, in the early 1950s, they, uh, you know, even though they're kind of becoming their housewives and mothers and stuff again, they uh, get back together again to solve uh, a a serial killer, a series of crimes uh, by a serial killer. Pretty great, really uh, top flight stuff. I, I, beautifully directed, wonderfully written, and very well acted with uh, Anna Maxwell. Uh, Anna Maxwell Martin, I guess is her complete name. Rachel Sterling, Sophie Rundle, and Julie Graham. I am utterly unfamiliar with any of them. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about British television. It just always exposes so many great new talents. George Gently... This is uh, one of those great British detective shows. takes place in uh, the 1960s in England, and uh, the 1960s at the time, just a funky, cool place. And uh, this show has gotten all kinds of awards, and uh, these are really very well-written mysteries. They have a box set now with the first four series on it, which is exactly what you need to get yourself into what has just recently been released, is the fifth series, George Gently Series 5. Um, Martin Shaw is just a first-rate actor Uh, he just you know the former Scotland Yard guy who uh, just he's just gritty and he knows how to find his way to every single clue to solve every single crime Uh, you know the British always amaze me they just did these, these crime shows and these detective shows never ever ever get old A Fine Romance The Complete Collection finally out from Acorn this is just wonderful Judi Dench and Michael Williams who were married in point of fact, uh, play husband and wife, and it is just this they is just,
1: had sexual relations. They did.
0: This is just one of the, you know. Most people know Judy Dench from uh, in, James you Bond. Know, as, as time well, Judy James, James Bond, but on television, as time goes by, you know that was sort of uh,
1: oh yeah.
0: Time goes by It's just a wonderful sitcom. But this predates that. This pre- is is a, a precursor to that, and um, you know. Uh, Michael Williams died not too long after that. He was originally an educating Rita. You might remember him in that. He, uh, he Oh, passed,
1: that's a terrific film.
0: Terrific film. So he passed away uh, after this series, and Judy Dench has been a widow ever since, but uh, it's wonderful to see them together, to you know, just know that they were a couple, and great chemistry. They have a daughter together, by the way.
1: Name is Shecky. She's also an
0: actress. A very good actress, actually. Surprised she hasn't really gotten uh, bigger roles. Anyway, so uh, many, many awards for this fantastic series. Uh, highly recommended on that flight. Let's see. The first Churchills. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Winston Churchill uh, was not sort of, he comes from a a very long line of distinguished uh, Churchills in England. I mean, his family history goes way back. And Winston Churchill, of course, an amazing historian of British history. As a result, I've got like five of his books, which are unbelievable to read. Extraordinary stuff. And uh, he wrote a biography about his family tree going all the way back to the uh, first Duke and Duchess of Marlborough, and that is the story that is recounted here. And it is uh, is extremely sharp, really, really well-written stuff, very nicely put together. And uh, especially considering the time, this was 1969 BBC production. Not usually, you know, the, the, the television video quality was usually kind of crappy back then. But it's really uh, very, very nice. The writing uh, it, it excels in what it doesn't, you know, what it lacks in visual flair. It makes up for in the quality of the writing. Uh, Let's see. Vexed, Series 2 with Toby Stevens and Miranda Raisin. Uh, raison. Would be better because Raisin makes her sound like she's been in the sun too long. Anyway, uh, this is you know Vex. It's it's that it's kind of uh, tries to do the moonlighting thing, and uh, it's 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 perfectly fine. Uh, you got a um, a new actress here uh, in uh, Miranda Raisin who uh, is okay. Uh, you know, I, I still quite don't entirely understand the the lingering appeal of this show. I think it loses a little bit of in the second uh, series of the chemistry, but it's perfectly fine.
1: Mark? Yes. I, I, I'm not bailing you out. No. You I'm love not. your British TV. I'm not going to stop you. I'm
0: not asking to be bailed out. I'm just, uh, I'm just calling for your affection and your love.
1: Wade, you always have my affection and my love.
0: Top Gear 19, you love the Top Gear, come on, give it up I know, people See, love Top Gear, kids, is, kids is, in their Top Gear This is the 19th season of the amazing Top Gear Not the American crap version, but the British series, the 19th season Which also includes the uh, the Africa special, which is pretty fantastic uh, You know what, I gotta tell you, Jeremy Clarkson is my hero If, I, if, I, if there was such a thing as uh, reincarnation and I could come back as anybody I'd want to come back as Jeremy Clarkson Seriously, just what a life that guy has. James May, of course, is another big figure in British television, hosts all kinds of shows. But it, this is all about Jeremy Clarkson. He just he just kills it. And there's some fantastic cars here. The Aston Martin Vanquish is one of the most beautiful things. Oh, I I've ever Aston Oh, my, my gosh. That's my dream car. Oh, my gosh. It's just incredible. It's just a gorgeous Dream thing. car. Unbelievable. And then uh, you also have a thing here called the Pagani Huayra. And I'm sure I'm destroying the the name of that car, but it is it's it does, shouldn't even be a car. It's like a freaking rocket. It's unbelievable. You know
1: it. That's why we love it.
0: Yep, totally. And then we also have the politician's wife, Mark. I'm yes, gonna give what you, I'm going to give you one. <laughs> going to give you one guess. What a movie called "The Politician's Wife" is all about?
1: Uh, it's about a wacky robot who goes back in time.
0: Exactly. That's the, precisely it. No, this is uh, this is one of those many many horrible scandals uh, that you have in. Uh, In in British politics. And British politics is loaded with scandals. Just wonderful stuff. Uh, This isn't actually a a real story, but uh, it's a little bit like Scandal in the U.S. Have you watched Scandal?
1: Uh, You know what? I'm surprised that show is such a big hit. It really has taken off. It's taken off like crazy. So oh, it has. It didn't seem did like, didn't, didn't seem know. like much to me, but people are uh, digging it. There
0: you go. Well, anyway, a little bit of the thing here. There's a. Uh, it's always the conservative politicians who get into these scandals, at least in in fiction and in fact over in the UK. And here, uh, ooh Mini Driver plays an escort who. Ka-pah, she's taken him down. Oh, Mini Driver! I love Mini Driver. You know, she lives here, by the way.
1: Would like here in this in where we are right now? No, like in the studio. She lives
0: in Malibu. Really? Yeah. Anyway, this is a uh, you know it's it's a little bit uh, salacious, but uh, somehow it, it it just the it's it feels like more quality than it is. It really uh, you know it's not like a news story or anything, but it's it's you know it just feels fresh and cool and British. And then we get to our Doctor Who. Now we have a uh, classic Doctor Who uh, from the Peter Davison years, which were back in the eighties. This is the Visitation. Uh, which is actually one of the better ones. This special edition of the visitation. Lots of cool extras on here, including a, an audio commentary that uh, includes uh, tons of people from the cast as well as uh, Peter Davison. Um, and this goes back to uh, the time of the Great Plague in England, which is really cool. And uh, it's a good. You want to time travel? That's a time to go back, right? And uh, especially when you discover that that there's like an alien plot going on at the time of the Great Plague. Pretty cool. Really, really really dig that. And then if you're a fan of the more recent uh, incarnation of Doctor Who, uh, we got a couple of great ones here. Series 7 Part 2, which is... one of the Matt Smith uh shows Matt Smith of course I, you know I like Matt Smith as as a doctor I do I I've, I've never never been a big fan of the younger doctors which has been kind of the direction things have been going ever since the 80s but uh Matt Smith has kind of a thing going I he feels like kind of nerdy and cool enough I don't know I, I feel a little bit better uh anyway there's have uh, got the Cybermen coming back in this one and in a in a really cool way suddenly they don't look like these cheesy guys wearing really bad uh Mylar suits like they did back in the, uh, the 70s and the 80s. No, the Cyberman now looks suddenly kind of high-tech and cool. Anyway, Series 7, Part 2, that is on Blu-ray, and gosh, it looks good on Blu-ray. The BBC Blu-ray stuff is just fabulous. And then we also have uh, this very, very special Doctor Who, The Snowmen. Uh, this is really, really super cool. This is a nice uh, Christmas special to scare the children. This is uh, takes place on Christmas Eve in 1892, and uh, it, it, it'll scare the children. It really will. Um, so that's pretty great uh, Christmas special, just to you know let 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 the kids and the family know that Christmas time sometimes is when evil inhabits the world, and you need uh, the time traveling doctor to uh, save you. Evil, not always Santa in, Claus.
1: Evil always inhabits the world. Time traveling doctor.
0: Mark, take us away with regular television. American television. What's on? What's on television in the United States these days?
1: My God, the Newsroom uh, season one. This is the new uh, Aaron Sorkin, uh, vomitous mess of dialogue and uninteresting characters who do nothing but spout their political views. But that being said, I do like this show because this show falls into the category of I'd rather watch a show that tries for a lot and doesn't quite get there than a show that is uh, tries for crap and then succeeds wildly. And that's where we have the newsroom. Now, Sorkin, after... I saw some uh,
0: show, episodes of this. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was like the best and the worst of Sorkin all in one show. You know what I mean?
1: Well, Sorkin could very well go off and do movies forever. The guy's already won an Oscar for Best Screenplay, and he can go off and write a, a, every big movie out there. But instead, he'd rather go on HBO, and I respect that. I think TV, part of the reason why TV's cooler than movies right now is because TV has people like Aaron Sorkin. So... I get it. It's all about the uh, the comings and goings and difficulties of running a twenty four hour news operation, of which I worked at MSNBC. I had two tours of duty at MSNBC, so I know what that's like. Um, and it's very—I mean, obviously uh, the, the conversations are a little hyper real in uh, the newsroom, but uh, but the you know a lot of the details are exactly the same. This is with uh, Jeff Daniels. And uh, Emily Mortimer and uh, a lot of interesting other people, including Alison Pill, who was so great in, um, in uh, the Woody Allen film um,
0: uh, d- The War d- d- Where He Goes Back d- d- in Time. Oh, uh, pa- pa- Midnight in Paris. That's right.
1: Yeah. Terrific in that. Sam yep. Waterston. Anyway, this is good stuff. I, uh, if you want to see some, uh, some very intelligent uh, dialogue and is uh, spouted by characters who are not that interesting, you can go with the newsroom and nice. season two of the newsroom is going to be coming in July. Nice, it's all good.
0: We got a bunch of stuff also from uh, CBS and Paramount, the CBS Paramount uh, collaboration. They're both they're all part of the uh, the uh, the Viacom umbrella, Viacom. And uh, so all the television stuff always comes from CBS. All the vintage classic television stuff, which interestingly enough was part of an article on the Wrap recently about the uh, the behind the scenes of the falling out between JJ and Paramount over Star Trek. Part of the problem being. That the Star Trek movies are, belong with the Paramount Studios entity And the Paramount television shows and all their licensing Are run through the CBS television entity And uh, there isn't a lot of communication between the two So if you want to do anything with Star Trek of a global nature You've got to go to the studio and get them to sign off on it And then you've got to go over to CBS and get them to sign off on it Not everybody wanted to sign off, not everybody was on the same page Much easier over at Disney with Star Wars Where all you need to do is just say, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that so anyway, uh, here's what we have from the um, from this whole, the whole CBS thing over there at Paramount. We've got more of these classic shows: Rawhide and Perry Mason. Perry Mason, the final season, volume one. So it's not the final release of the final season; it's the first part of the final release of the final season. Season nine, the final season, volume one. And you're thinking, geez, finally, how nine years of Perry Mason? That guy. D- d- why didn't we just? Have, seriously, uh, but you know what? It's, it's some interesting stuff here. A lot of great uh, supporting performances in here, and uh, I love the fact that one of the guys here is Lieutenant Steve Drum, played by Richard Anderson. Mark, yeah, Richard Anderson, who would go on to fame and greatness and as immortality Oscar. as Oscar freaking well, Goldman Oscar. on the Six Million Dollar oh, Man. man. Yes. And he's absolutely better there than he is on Perry Mason. But, uh, you know, he's one of those old-time guys who just brought this sense of seriousness. And I love watching these actors. I'm not a huge fan of all the the Perry Mason. I think it gets old after a while. It's kind of the same thing over and over. It's a lot like Matlock. But um, something about these guys, these TV actors from that that era, they just – they brought it, you know? It's just something – every show in the 1960s, the actors were just such freaking pros – they weren't cast because they were good-looking, because they were young, because they were hot. They would just they just nailed it. And then, of course, Rawhide, Volume 1 of the sixth season and Volume 2 of the sixth season. It all should be one. I really, really, really wish the people at Paramount and CBS would get their act together on that. Um, Clint Eastwood uh, blazed a trail uh, on Rawhide, and that's what really started his career. And uh, between these two volumes, you get 30 episodes, which always amazes me. Because 30 episodes in a single season was the norm back in the 1960s. And somehow by the time you get to the 1970s, we're whittling that back to, you know, 22, 23 episodes. But, dude, they used to do 30 episodes. They didn't have nonlinear. They cut these things on film. They shot them on film. They edited them on film. They did 30 episodes in a season. I mean, that's really impressive.
1: It is impressive. Now you get 13 and you're out. Gosh.
0: They nailed it. And they're all high quality. Anyway, uh, tons of, of really, really good stuff in a lot of these shows. I mean, it's a, you know, yes, it's it's kind of the same thing over and over and over again. But, wow, you get some really, really great guest stars. And uh, Clint's always just good for loads of fun. Rowdy Yates, damn it. Rowdy Yates for president. Not really now. Now Rowdy Yates is, is, is old and gravelly and get off my lawn.
1: Speaking of old and gravelly, day, um, we have two uh, reality shows from the History Channel, good folks at the History Channel. We have... Um... Ice Road Truckers season badrillion. This thing just keeps going. This is season six of Ice Road Truckers. Is this uh, ended with history? I don't know.
0: Why do they even call it the History Channel at this point?
1: Well, why do they call Bravo Bravo? I don't know. Why do they call MTV MTV? Good point. Anyway, this is uh, a bunch of veteran truckers as they uh, drive uh, around big trucks around Canada. It's what they do. (laughs) There's lots of ice crossings and tires, dangerous, deadly, treacherous crap, and, and you know. Whatever. It's a bunch of ice truckers. I know. (laughs) Season one of Mountain Men. This is another History Channel show. History Channel becoming very good at just finding these people who just have weird jobs or weird pursuits. And they make shows out of them. Here we have a bunch of guys living off the grid in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And they really live super off the grid because they do drive around in snowmobiles. And you know what? If you drive around in a snowmobile, you are not off the grid. There's actually a documentary. I think it was called Off the Grid about these guys who literally live off the grid. What do you there's, mean? There's, they have no electricity. They have no means to support themselves. Seriously? Uh, yes, they literally live off the grid. And those guys were fascinating. Creepy. Less fascinating would be mountain men.
0: I am a huge fan of, uh, well, cocaine. Carry on. carry on. Mountain men.
1: You are not. No. I'm done with mountain men.
0: I know. Oh you oh, you're, you're done?
1: You want me to keep going? No, no,
0: I, I thought I just want to make a sure. Show. Okay, I thought I thought you I thought you had something else to add.
1: I can talk okay. about pretty little liars, but it's not good. No, uh, no, no wait well, a moment,
0: in a moment. I am a big fan of the Teletubbies. I'm not going to talk about Teletubbies uh, because uh, I want to contrast that with the Freaking people who make scary crap like Yo Gabba Gabba, which is not Teletubbies. It's, it's creepy and scary, and Teletubbies is cute and adorable and psychedelic. So my daughter will be watching uh, Teletubbies. She will not be watching Yo Gabba Gabba, which brings me to the Aquabats Super Show Season 1, which was created by the same people who created Yo Gabba Gabba. It is not as deeply disturbing, um, but it, it, it kind of takes their whole sensibilities into the superhero realm. And uh, I don't know what to think of this. It's kind of weird. It's like they're superheroes and they're a rock band. And uh, it doesn't really make any sense. But th- somehow, I guess, this has become popular. So the, the Aquabat Super Show, uh, 13 episodes you know, season one, uh, kind of disturbing. There are commentaries on here, which I'm not quite sure why. I don't think kids want to listen to the commentaries. And I certainly know the adults aren't going to want to listen to the commentaries. So, um, that freaks me out a little bit. The thing, the other thing that freaks me out is that this was originally aired on the hub network. Uh, Mark, I don't know what the hub network is. Am I it's just, the kids. Ho- am I hopelessly out of touch?
1: Well, you have a, you have a daughter now, so you should know what the hub network is.
0: Oh dear. Carry on.
1: Uh, Pretty Little Liars is a, a show that um, I would love to watch if I was a pervert. That's not true. These girls are all of age. Um, anyway, I'm just saying that'd be funny. Um, ABC Family, this is uh, season three. This is the show that follows uh, these, uh, these girls as they, you know, there's all sorts of like shifting alliances and backstabbing and who was A. It was like the big deal in season two yeah. that has now been paid off for uh, season three. By the way, it's Mona was the elusive A. Oh, she's been the one. Who's I've been, like, been wondering. She's been the one who's been like uh, torturing all the main characters and making their lives miserable. Yeah, uh-huh. it's unbelievable. Anyway, uh, season three um, contains a whole bunch of special features, including uh, sort of a, a background on A and what it means to be A and why somebody is A and more secrets about this uh, this town that they live in alternate endings as a gag reel and some unaired scenes cutting floor scenes uh, Pretty Little Liars ABC Family not for uh, not for smart people yeah <laughs> I didn't mean that Fair. not for people <laughs> of a certain age or wisdom level uh. But um, yeah, great. what can I say? <laughs> just not okay. that great. Uh, Breaking Bad, fifth season of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is coming to an end soon, and uh, you know what? This show has just been consistently fantastic. This is a uh, great show. People love this show. Bryan Cranston blowing away his uh, persona in um, in the sitcom he did that I can't remember anymore because that's how long it's been. What was it? Was the sitcom this guy did? Uh, it was I the thing remember. with the? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, it was um, you know the thing where he does the thing with the guy. Yeah. God, it was so long ago. It was uh, with the kid Frankie Muniz. What's his name? Don't stop the recording. What's his?
0: Frankie Muniz in. Uh, it was like uh, d- 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 Oscar in the Place. It was one of those titles. It's one of those freaking things, dude. We have too much stuff floating around in our heads. This is not something we should be ashamed of.
1: That, that oh, show it was, like, it was like Frankie Saved the World
0: That show was a million years ago Wait, Who cares?
1: I'm not going to stop Did I, I, I No, don't don't stop I, going. I'm going to keep going It's I like Frankie you're... Saved the World or, or Steve does a crazy thing once Find
0: again. it we, <laughs> Listeners right now Are <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs Because we can't remember The name of the show <laughs> Here's the thing That always freaked me out About Frankie Muniz Oh Munez.
1: my god Wait a second What is it? Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle
0: Malcolm in the Middle Yeah oh, Frankie Muniz This is what always creeped me about uh, When he was like 20 Twelve or thirteen, uh, he looked like David Cassidy at age thirty. If you go online, I, I ask any of our listeners to do this: go online, find a picture of David Cassidy when he was thirty or even forty, and then look at a picture of Frankie Muniz—same person. It's freaking weird. That guy is so it's, a, it's genetically just a, a complete mutation. It's not. It shouldn't happen.
1: Anyway, Walter White is uh, Walter White's been doing some uh, very illegal things. He's trying to clean up his life in uh, in season five. Get rid of all the. Um, Rid of all the evidence of the crimes he committed in the previous season involving Gus. There we go, played by Giancarlo Esp- Esposito, uh, who I never liked actually. Um, but uh, there you go. Show gets better. I think it's uh, ending at the right time. It's going to uh, it's going to end at, at a peak without overstaying its welcome, and it's good stuff. Good cast including, obviously, Cranston and Bob Odenkirk's in it, which is a great piece of uh, casting. Jonathan Banks, who, of course, we all remember from 48 Hours. Yeah, Jonathan Banks. He's still got a career. He's in this uh, this show, too, as Mike. Anyway, final episode started airing in August of uh, Breaking Bad. I'm sure there will be a box set of the entire series, but if you must have it now, fifth season is now available.
0: Awesome. So, uh... You know, Justified has sort of uh, been an interesting show in the sense that it has sparked this kind of postmodern, neo-Western sensibility that a lot of people like. And now we're getting shows that are attempting to replicate that. And one of those is Longmire, which I'm not hugely familiar with. At least I wasn't before we got this. Uh, I was like, what the hell is that? And this is the first season of Longmire, which is now out. And this is uh, on A&E. And season two starts up this summer and I'm going to try to catch some of the uh the episodes uh, as they air the first time around. It's not a bad show actually. It doesn't feel like a justified knockoff. It feels like it's uh, kind of its own thing. And part of that is because it is actually based on uh, a series of novels by Craig Johnson, these kind of, you know, uh pulpy western mystery novels. And uh not bad actually. Uh, Walt Longmire is the the title, uh the the uh the lead character played by Robert Taylor he's a sheriff he's up in uh, Wyoming and uh, that adds a, a really kind of a cool backdrop to the whole thing uh, Lou Diamond Phillips is here he's getting uh, a little bit grizzled still looks uh, younger than his years but it's uh, it's a decent cast decent writing interesting characters it has that first season thing where you feel like everything's kind of settling in and I'm willing to cut it some slack see where it goes in the, uh, in the second season
1: uh, Wade uh, what can I say Red Widow is a show on ABC that got cancelled after one season and it's now out on DVD. I like, I like how they say the complete first season, which is great because it's actually the complete whole damn series. <laughs> I say uh, this stars uh, Radha Mitchell. I've always kind of liked Rhoda Mitchell. She never really took off. As, I love uh, Rhoda
0: Mitchell. She will. She she has. You know what? The, she'll something will click for her. It will. I, yeah. I swear to you, something will click for her. She's really good.
1: Well, she's better moving along because she's moving along because she's pushing forty, um, and that, that's 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 a bad age if you're an actress, unfortunately. But um, Red Widow, uh, she plays a housewife uh, who lives in North Carolina. Her husband is a mafia guy, gets killed. She's got to continue the family business, protect the family. Didn't last that long. It does, however, have a good cast, including, by the way, Clifton Collins Jr. Clifton Collins Jr. is in the show. I saw Clifton Collins Jr. yesterday at the uh, at the Whole Foods in uh, Sherman Oaks. Really? Did yes, you? I did. Yes, I did. Wow. And I was, what's, you know, It's one of those weird celebrity I mean he's not a big celebrity But one of those weird sightings though. Where it's like Yeah he was like traffic and he, was, he was one of the he's bad guys in, in J.J.'s first Star Trek yeah. film uh, One of those weird celebrity sightings Like I'm looking at him Thinking you're an actor Or maybe I went to high school with you He's looking at me going Why is that creepy guy looking at me Does he recognize me Is he going to stab me Is he just wanting to know who I am And it was kind of that back-and-forth, looky-looky thing. Yeah. And then eventually I stopped doing that.
0: You know, I was really, really sad when Steve Irwin died. Um... And, and were you at the screening of, his, of the Croc Hunter movie, the feature film? Never saw it. You never saw it. Okay. Not a bad film, actually. Uh, and I was at the uh, Cinerama Dome when we had the press screening of that up in the balcony. And Steve Irwin was there wearing his whole little you know khaki outfit, the shorts and the whole deal, which I guess he never took off. That's just – you know, with the boots and the khaki. The, the, he, That's that his was uniform. It. That's his uniform. And he came over and he stood up on top of a couple of chairs on the balcony – just uh, like the crazy man that he was, and he thanked everybody for coming to see my film. And he did his how little Aussie thing, and he waved his hands around, and he said, I'm oh, so happy to have this movie. And you could tell that he was just this big kid, this just big kid who loved to play with animals and wrestle with crocodiles and just do crazy things. And honestly, it, you just, the, I think part of the reason that a lot of people loved the movie was because they just loved him before the movie. It just created all this goodwill. And then he died, and it was really, really sad, and it was just a horrible way to go. And I am convinced that Nick Baker uh, was t- has no idea what happened to Steve Irwin. Probably doesn't know who he is, doesn't know how he died. Because otherwise, Nick Baker wouldn't have this crazy show, Weird Creatures. Uh, season one of Weird Creatures with Nick Baker, it's basically uh, the Croc Hunter all over again. It's Steve Irwin all over again. And he uh, he doesn't take quite the same chances. But, but honestly, dude, seriously, don't don't do what you're doing. This is really dangerous. Uh, he goes to crazy places and he he you know looks for just unbelievably obnoxious animals and uh, vampire. Here are the episodes. I'm just going to read this to you, Mark. I'm going to tell me if this is something you want to show to your kids because I think I think like a father now, right? Vampire fish, yes, no,
1: yeah, that's cute. Okay.
0: Blood squirting lizard,
1: nah, not okay. so much.
0: Basking shark.
1: Well, I'll stare at them in a tank.
0: Okay, uh, you're going to love the next one: pink fairy armadillo. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's probably
1: the deadliest of the, of the bunch. Actually,
0: not. That's what. That's what's on the cover of the uh, the DVD. That's the picture. That's the pink fairy armadillo. You know right what? There. Does that it, look like a pink fairy to you?
1: If, if that armadillo knew he was called the pink fairy armadillo, You'd he'd be, be very pissed assent. off.
0: Uh, Saggy skinned frog.
1: Wait, don't we have more DVDs to talk star about? No, star no, single... <laughs>
0: okay, star-nosed mole and the croc from Mars. There you
1: go. And the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Exactly. All right. Uh, without a trace, season six rolling along. This is uh, uh, the, the show just keeps moving along. It I, does. I we plug it.
0: along like a little <laughs> really choo-choo train,
1: like a little pink fairy armadillo. Exactly. The CD just keeps going. However, it does give Anthony LaPaglia work, and I think that's a good thing, as I like him. Anyway, in this season, uh, Vivian's got to locate the serial killer who uh, is involved in a sex trafficking ring, which happened in the previous season. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the main thrust of it. But uh, if you like the other 17,000 seasons of this thing, then I guess you'll like this one. This is season six of Without a Trace. Absolutely no extras, because what's the point? Because in a few months, it'll just be season seven.
0: There you go. Agreed. All right, Mark, it is time for... There you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Do it. Okay. Get some.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> lost it. Fox Fox.
0: Hey Wade and Mark, it's Lance again, the uh the mystical man himself. Uh cool about Cavalcade. Um No, I don't I don't really don't think I had anything to do with that. But anyhow, so I guess my next topic to tap to tackle, the next uh, film I'll hope to come out is
1: actually actually it's three films. It would be the James Dean collection on Blu ray. Now I heard that these were coming out early 2013. What's the
0: deal? Are we getting uh, Rebel out of Cause and Giant and East of Eden on Blu-ray uh, soon? Uh, Wonder Brothers said early 2013, and, uh, well, I don't have them in my collection yet, so what's the deal with that? Lance Taylor, excellent question. Mark, isn't that an outstanding question?
1: It is, and the, the good thing is that if there's a James Dean, like Superbox set someday, yeah. it would only include three films.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of television you could include. You know, he did he did quite a bit of television before he became a movie star. But uh, you know, here's the thing: Uh, the studios will vary. The answer to the question is, we have no idea and uh Warner the, the Warner publicists that we know they have no idea either. I mean truly it it's just like the an echo chamber over there. It's like uh, just once something disappears down the rabbit hole, it's it's just gone. The information cannot be squozing out or squozed out. What's the correct what's the correct conjugation? Squozin squozed?
1: I think it's squizzled squam, squamwhams. Uh so the
0: yeah, we 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 have no idea. Um They will oftentimes release – send out these early releases where they'll say coming in blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you – I get I get emails all the time where a release date has been changed like four weeks before it's actually going to be released. They'll bump it a week or two or sometimes they'll push it a month. Usually, those are smaller distributors where they just can't get the manufacturing up and running or, you know, they just don't have the cash flow to actually buy the blank stock of discs or, you know, for whatever reason. Or or there will be an audio commentary that comes in badly or the menus will – there will be a mistake in the menus or the credits. I mean weird things happen even at the studio level. Um in this case, I have absolutely no idea that it 's just one of those things where they announced it and then it's just gone you know and uh, there was an MGM release of the David Lean collection years ago. It was a big deal it was like you know eight or nine films, and it was big all his black and white stuff right. Uh, and uh then it was literally yanked, and it has never come back because there was a question as to whether or not they even had the rights to some of those films, which you'd think wouldn't an attorney actually get on the ball and, and make sure that and vet these press releases beforehand and, and vet the process even before they uh, they undertake it? You just never know so uh yeah, I have no idea what's holding up those films Warner Brothers. owns all those films Uh, they have high def masters of all those films there's really no reason for them to not be able to release uh, that Blu-ray set right now other than they don't think the timing's right
1: you know what if if those films wind up on like you know some video archive streaming thing Warner on demand kind of a situation that'd be embarrassing for them yeah because those films deserve to be out in full blown super Absolutely. set.
0: Well, it is a it's a big deal. It's a big deal to have those films in uh in Blu-ray. And Giant especially because Giant, you know, is not a widescreen film. George Stevens bucked the trend at the time and said, I don't care, I want to shoot this movie in uh in 133. Three. And he sh- and he did. He shot it, you know, he 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 made it a, a an old school 133 three film like in the in the old uh, pre-1956 days. And uh so that would be interesting to see that in Blu-ray. I, but I have no idea. I don't know what's going on over there. I, I mean, I've, I've asked, I've inquired. Nobody has any idea.
1: Really, no one respects you.
0: Well, I mean, they don't know. They don't know. Nobody in the in the PR. They have no idea. They know they released it, and then it was pulled from the schedule for reasons that nobody understands. And uh, I, I'm assuming it's got to. I mean, if you announced it last year, it was like December when they sent that release out. They've got to release it. You know, by December, right? You can't, you can't go that long without at least explaining yourselves. But maybe they will. I don't know. Good question. We have no answer. That's the, that's the short. That's the long answer to a short question.
1: Let's keep going, Wade. All what right, we let's got? keep going. You know what,
0: uh, Mark? I'll tell you.
1: Ninja, tell me.
0: Ninja Three: The Domination. I know you're laughing. You're laughing. But this is uh, Shout Factory has released this through their uh, Scream Factory line, and it's on <laughs> Blu-ray now. Ninja Three: The Domination. The Ninja series of films were just classic Schlock from Canon uh, Golan Globus, Menachem Golan, and Yoram Globus when they were just doing all their their stuff and they were really ju- I mean it, it, these films were just ridiculous and they were all directed by Sam Furstenberg and they all starred Sho Kasugi, who uh you know is not a ninja he's just he's, he kind of fancies himself a modern day ninja but Uh, They just all were schlocky, really bad martial arts movies. But this one in particular, I'm fond of. And do you know why I'm fond of this one?
1: Uh, Because...
0: Because in addition to Shokasuki, it stars Lucinda Dickey. Now, Lucinda Dickey, also not a martial artist. But Lucinda Dickey, I'm fond of because Lucinda Dickey was also in... Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. And, you know, the, that's just, that movie is just, that's like everyone's favorite sequel of all time. So any opportunity to put Lucinda Dickey in another movie, even if she's not dancing, here she's like wielding a sword and, and being all badass, I'm okay with it. Lucinda Dickey, uh, an icon of the 1980s, and I don't even know what's happened to her. She just vanished. She went off, the, vanished off the planet after like 1989. Just gone. No more Lucinda Dickey. What's she doing? Talk about that movie. I'm going to look up Lucinda Dickey.
1: Uh, Wade, now you think that the uh, the Philadelphia Experiment that I'm staring at is the 1980s Philadelphia Experiment? Actually, this is a remake of the 1980s Philadelphia Experiment. Really? Yes. Which uh, this thing co-stars Michael Parry, who I think was in the original. Yeah, it was Malcolm McDowell and uh, Ryan Robbins. Uh, The Philadelphia Experiment was a cool movie in the 80s about um, in 1943. There was supposedly. A secret government experiment uh, to create a cloaking device that would uh, make a warship disappear, and it didn't work, or did it?
0: So this is not the 1984 film.
1: No. Okay. This is a Stars Anchor Bay production from 2012. Oh, no! Oh, wild.
0: And they put Michael Perret in it again.
1: They did. It's probably the last thing. Uh, you know what? Let's let's do an IMDb on Michael Perret and see. If he's, and see, this is the last. See if the last film he's done was not the original. Philadelphia experiment from like 25 years earlier. I mean, that guy's been around forever. Yeah, oh, he works. Um, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> works. he works. He stuff. <laughs> what, can, what, what can I tell you? Uh, uh, anyway, I, I, I've always thought this was like a cool idea for a movie. <laughs> I do. I think it's cool. Why not? Come on. Uh, anyway, so it, is this better than the original? It's better than the original in the effects i don't know if it's better than the original in the effect of the film on your on your psyche on your soul on that one the original is cooler um anyway philadelphia experiment uh the new one i would do a double feature i would compare and contrast well i have to say that malcolm mcdowell god that guy just malcolm mcdowell has become the donald pleasance of, of of our time where he was a good actor at some point, like you know Donald Pleasance, Great Escape, all sorts of good movies, and then Donald Pleasance just became like just a B movie guy. Malcolm McDowell, kind of becoming that guy. Same with Ben Kingsley, did a lot of good work. Now they do a lot of crap. Malcolm I know McDowell, it's sad, and he's in this now. Anyway, uh, I would go with the original.
0: You know, check this out, Lucinda Dickey. Are you ready for this? No. Uh, this is this is why we do this. She, in the 1980s, she made Grease 2. She was in Grease 2, just a small part as a girl greaser. Then she did Breakin'. Then she did Ninja 3. Then she did Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. Gotta love it. Then she did Cheerleader Camp. And then in 1990, she was on some Perry Mason TV movie, like barely on the in the movie, and then she just went away. I mean, that that's it. She hasn't been heard of. However, however, do you know who her husband is?
1: Uh, Michael Perret? Uh
0: Craig... Peligian Peligian
1: I know that name Why he's I one of the executive name?
0: producers of Survivor really she doesn't need to work <laughs> she doesn't need to work that no, have no, like 16 seasons or something yeah she's just a mom she's got two kids
1: that's great alright keep going that's I great. like that that's, that's a great story I,
0: that's fascinating anyway alright never mind
1: alright keep talking about stuff, uh, uh, stuff
0: junk and stuff junk and stuff uh, <laughs> we'll get into junk and stuff okay I uh, got a bunch of interesting titles here from uh, VCI. VCI always digs up interesting library titles, and this is all, this is uh, the stuff that makes America really uh, proud when you go overseas. People go like, uh, "Don't you have hillbillies in your country?" And you go, "Yeah, yeah, we're, we're the place that has hillbillies, and we we actually uh, celebrated our hillbilliness with uh, not only a television series, but with uh, comic strips and movies. And uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, of course, is you know the one everyone thinks of. But back in the day, we had some really really bad uh, kind of Elvis Presley era hillbilly movies, exploitation films that you got to love. 1966, Las Vegas Hillbillies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Mark, come on. Oh, give, yeah. Give it up for Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas Hillbillies.
1: Jane Mansfield. <laughs> you know. Maybe Van Doren. <laughs> Stop, Richard, that. Richard Stop that. Richard Kiel. Stop that. Richard
0: Keel plays a hillbilly. No, no, seriously, Richard Keel. Look at look look at the picture on the back. Of the big hillbilly in the middle. <laughs> middle Richard, I'm a hillbilly. It's great. It's, it's fantastic. Richard Keel was
1: Jaws in the James uh, uh, Bond right. films.
0: Yeah, actually, the uh, the the thing about this is there's a lot of really great songs in this. Uh, you know, Dell Reeves and Bill Anderson and uh, Wilma Burgess. There's some fun songs in here and fun fun performances. It's a cheesy film, but it's a good-natured film, and it's fine. Now, uh, the following year. <laughs> It came out with Hillbillies in a haunted house.
1: Obviously, they know that's stupid. Uh, it has Lon Chaney in it and Basil Rathbone.
0: And uh, yeah, uh, you know, Ferlin Husky, who was in the previous one, uh, is in this one. Unfortunately, you don't get Jane Mansfield and Mamie Van Doren. You just get Ferlin Husky. And of course, Ferlin Husky, big star. Uh, John Carradine is in here. Merle Haggard shows up, Basil Rathbone shows up. Uh, This is what people were doing when suddenly you can't get work anymore. You do these weird, crazy exploitation films. This thing is an absolute riot. It's—I don't know if they meant for it to be funny in the way that it's funny, but it's pretty stupid. And it is—it's really a riot. And Merle (laughs) Merle uh, Haggard—he just shows up. He just makes the best of it. Figures, you know what? I I can't—I can't hurt my brand. I might as well let people know I'm there. And the the, mon- the monkey costume is the, there were the ape costumes, best thing ever, absolutely the best thing ever.
1: You're out of your mind.
0: And then, uh, lastly, of these <laughs> crazy things, was the is uh, Lil Abner. Uh, you know, Lil Abner. Uh, this was back when they thought, you know, we gotta we gotta get onto this superhero bandwagon. And this was the original uh, comic strip superhero movie. You know that, Lil right? Lil Abner. Lil Abner. What?
1: Yeah. 1940. What?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being. Are silly. you trying to see if
1: I'm paying attention? I'm
0: trying to see if you're paying attention a little bit. Yeah. No. 1940, Lil Abner. They made it into a movie. Go figure. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it was a hugely popular comic strip at the time, I guess. Uh, but you know, is is the movie any good? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Sort of embarrassing. Uh, you feel like everybody's. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's just creepy. It's kind of creepy seeing people try to be comic characters. uh, And it's not like it's a comic book. Like, every week, Lil Abner was just, you know, five or six frames. It's not like, you know, it justifies a movie, but whatever.
1: Uh, Wade, a controversial and very highly recommended release right now from the good folks at Kino Lorber. Scum. They're Scum. Oh, my God. That sounds ridiculous.
0: So, this is, this is the, uh, the Alan Clark movie.
1: This is the Alan Clark movie. Now, this is a Great. controversial film because it's all about uh, you know like racism and mm-hmm. sexism and su- suicide and rape and violence and horribleness at uh, British reform schools. But the controversy became... This thing was originally uh, made for uh, the BBC in 1977, and the BBC thought the thing was so intense and so unpleasant and so violent that they decided not to show it. And so the director... Um, reshot some of it, and then released it as a feature film. And it came out in 1979, and it's great. It's called uh, Scum, and it's got a great cast, and it's very intense, and it's really good stuff. I mean, this isn't, um, you know, there was a lot of movies at the time about British, you know, education, movies like If and whatnot, and that's sort of the, that thing. This, with Ray Winstone, is a very intense take on it. Ray Winstone does a audio commentary on it. And there's an interview with the producers, interview with the writer, and also the EP. Um, it's a really intense movie. It's uh, Alan Clark directed it, and I cannot recommend highly enough Scum. Although I have to say that um, I wish they had come up with a better name because the moment you go to the store or Redbox or yeah, it's whatever, not, you, the, you don't want to. You like don't want to. Yeah,
0: it's 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 not something you want. Just Scum. Home
1: with... <laughs> You're looking for Scum? You have Scum. Hey, Kai, you got Scum? <laughs> and
0: you go home from the Redbox, and you go, "Honey, I got, I brought us a movie this evening. I brought Scum home." <laughs> let's let's throw some scum in the uh, the TV
1: I rented some scum (laughs) honey I rented scum yeah see that's kind of lame but uh, so maybe you should like rent this on like Netflix or something but anyway highly recommended a very controversial piece of uh, 70s British uh, TV and uh, movie history so um, there you go scum good stuff highly recommended awesome
0: we got some uh, Olive releases, you know. Olive doing uh, great work, licensing stuff from the Paramount Library and others. And uh, the uh, the one here that is not from the Paramount Library is the one that I want to talk about most. It's from 2010. It's an, uh, a co-production between Ireland and Finland. Go figure, right? Ireland and Finland. Who decided that that was uh, an arrangement? But. Um, you know, Ireland puts a lot of money into their own homegrown movies, which is a good thing because otherwise these movies wouldn't get made. This is a first-time director named Dara Byrne. Dara, D-A-R-R-A-G-H. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. My Irish grandmother will uh, will haunt me forever if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, and the story, it's this really great. Cole Meany is such a freaking awesome actor. Uh, he usually just shows up in, in bit roles and sporting roles, usually playing, you know, like a bartender or a gangster. And here, this is a great role for him. Uh, wonderful independent film shot by the way in a beautiful super widescreen anamorphic really nice um, he's a guy who lives in his car and uh, meets another guy and he's just kind of you know he's like a, like a homeless guy free spirit bit of a vagrant and then all of it changes when he meets a woman Aww. and you know it's uh, you, you think oh it's one of those things a guy wants to turn his life around and make himself worthy but not really it, it, you know what it, it's just really um, it's a wonderful part for Colm Meaney and if you're a fan of Colmeany, Meaney you're just going to love this movie it's on Blu-ray and uh, I recommend it on Blu-ray just for the photography alone uh, you know just th- that wonderful poetic Irish photography uh, also from the Paramount Library now three uh, films that Olive continues to mine these really terrific movies that Paramount apparently has no interest in doing anything with uh, this is Humphrey Bogart, man, in The Enforcer, I, you know, not one of the top tier uh, Humphrey Bogart movies necessarily, but uh, here he's not a gangster, he's the DA, and it's, uh, it's a good solid kind of quasi-noir from 1951, just kind of at the end, uh, tail end of the, uh, the golden period for these noir films. Zero Mostel shows up here. Gives a terrific performance. Uh, it's really kind of good, hard-boiled, gritty movie. A lot of guys wearing fedoras and uh, double-breasted suits. Fun stuff, you know. Again, not the top tier of the Humphrey Bogart movies of that sort, but pretty damn good. And then uh, Irving Pykel. Didn't you have an Irving Pykel story? What? Director Irving Pykel. I no. thought you had some. Okay, maybe I'm forgetting that. Well, anyway... Mm-hmm. 1948, You're crazy? I thought you had an Irving Pykel story Anyway, director Irving Pykel in 1948 Made the movie The Miracle of the Bells With Fred McMurray and uh, Frank Sinatra And of course, uh, in that era You can't have two guys without a girl So they throw uh, Alita Valley in here and As an actress, by the way With, a, with bizarre names uh, Olga Treskovna I don't know who thought that one up Anyway, uh, you know what? It's a, it's really interesting, uh, fascinating script here. Unusual for the time, kind of a sort of a melodrama, but uh, you can't really have a melodrama with Fred McMurray. That guy always kind of dials everything down to a really great place. And whether it's the apartment, whether it's Double Indemnity, people just you know everybody always thinks of like I grew up with Fred McMurray as being the guy on My Three Sons. And that then, show sucked. And then you discover, oh, my gosh, this guy was a real actor. He, like, made real movies. He just he, – he nailed it. He was great. That's just what he did, you know, when he, when he needed some spending, you know, some vacation money later in his life. But, he, I mean, the guy really made some great movies. Anyway, uh, Sinatra plays a priest here, which is, you know, a stretch that you can't even comprehend uh, by a million years. But really the uh, the idea of uh, Fred McMurray is this, uh, this press agent who, you know, makes a, a deathbed promise to a friend fascinating story. Uh, goes off in a really interesting place and uh, not at all the melodrama that you might expect it to be. And then lastly, uh, a Joseph Kane directed movie called Hoodlum Empire from 1952. Again, right at the, kind of that uh, transitional period, a uh, little tail end of the, uh, the golden age of noir. And this is uh, kind of a middling gangster film with some really, really good performances in it by some actors who weren't really a-list actors, but they they turn in some great performances here. Uh, Brian Donlevy, Claire Trevor, uh, Claire Trevor, bigger actress, of course, than than the others. Forrest Tucker, you know, didn't get a lot of great movie roles here. He gets a something that's way better than F Troop or uh, you know Ghostbusters. There which are the there
1: is that... nothing better than F Troop.
0: No, I look, I love F Troop, but Forrest Tucker was not a film actor, you know. Uh, Vera Ralston, Luther Adler, John Russell, some uh, some decent uh, decent stuff there in that one. And uh, that's it for the Olive titles. And then um, any
1: movies, any yeah, What's well, yeah, well, coming out? Wait, i uh, some falling asleep here.
0: Uh, yeah, we got we got a few. We got a few. <laughs> but you know, some, this week classic title stuff. Okay, fine. And then we got a bunch of double features here. Really quickly, I'm going to go through these. Uh, these are all double features from Mill Creek. They're all Blu-ray double features, very affordable. Uh, if you want to uh, get a couple of movies for very little money and uh, kind of impress your friends with uh, how good High Definition is, they're not bad transfers at all. They, uh, they're they really pretty decently done. Uh, this one, there's always a ringer in here. The Brotherhood of Satan, not really that well worth watching. Mr. Sardonicus, much more interesting film. Mr. Sardonicus is the, uh, you know... That's kind of a a classic William Castle movie that has uh, held the test of time. And then we have here uh, The Nines and Slipstream, the Anthony Hopkins film. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' Slipstream is just crazy. It's impossible to watch. It'll blow your mind. It might be good to have on in the background. The Nines, a much more interesting uh, kind of intellectual science fiction film with Ryan Reynolds and Hope Davis, which was actually edited by a friend of mine and did a great job. I'm very proud of him. Uh, Then we have In the Cut and Trapped. Uh, If you want to see, uh, you know, uh, Women in Jeopardy, Meg Ryan and In the Cut, which is a Jane Campion film that kind of misses the mark, but uh, it's an interesting performance from Meg Ryan. And then uh, Trapped, of course, has Charlize Theron and Courtney Love together again for the first time, along with Stuart Townsend and Kevin Bacon. And Charlize Theron and uh, Stuart Townsend, uh, still an item, were they? Are they still? I
1: don't know. I feel like uh, uh, for the average gossip-loving person, they're now too old to care about.
0: Probably. Okay. They're they're Uh, over 34. This is a a weird pairing, but uh, for people who like the old tough guy era of the 1970s, uh, pretty probably just fine. Sean Connery in the Anderson tapes, uh, still trying to maintain a little bit of the James Bond mystique. And uh, Burt Reynolds and Teresa Russell in Physical Evidence, back when Burt Reynolds uh, actually was able to get starring roles. Couple of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies here: uh, Universal Soldier, The Return, and Second Command. Uh, two horrible movies, but uh, Van Damme fans will not care because all he needs to do is say "I'm Van Damme," and I guess they swoon. You know
1: the remaking Time Cop? Supposedly. I know That's stupid. I like Time Cop. That's
0: crazy. That's nuts. Why would Why
1: would they do that? I don't know. It seems like it wasn't that unique of an of an idea that they can't just like make something original instead. I guess.
0: Anyway, and then uh, the last of these is are a couple of movies I had never heard of, but I guess these things have a following, Anatomy and Anatomy 2. Are you familiar with this Anatomy series? Well, I am
1: not. It's very
0: strange. Anyway, uh, a bit of a cult following for these films, and they sort of belong to that weird, uh, I don't know, they're somewhere between uh, like the Human Centipede and uh, the Saw films. They're they're like, you know, in that I guess it, it I guess it, it, this all really comes on the on the heels of uh of nip tuck on television, every it, it, all these movies that are just sort of all about uh, fetishizing the the malformed and uh, mutilated human body in its living form in some way. Anyway, Anatomy and Anatomy Two, both on a uh, Blu Ray double feature, and uh, definitely rated R here. Uh, but uh, pretty well photographed films, I gotta say, creepy, um, you know, but but well done on on that genre level. All right, that's it for my little stack here.
1: Uh, Wade, uh, here's uh, not a bad DVD I wanna, or Blu-ray I want to bring up because not th- anyone will ever rent this or buy this who listens to this podcast, but it really wasn't that bad. It's a movie called The Man Who Shook the Hand of Vicente Fernandez. And it's sort of a career-capping performance by Ernest Borgnine. This
0: is his last film.
1: What Was this actually this, this, his last film? This is his actual last film, yeah. Uh, it's really not bad. It's about a... Um, it's a it's kind of like... A, it's about a guy who... Uh, was a radio DJ, and he always wanted to be like a John Wayne-type movie cowboy, and while he's recovering at a nursing home, he winds up sort of, in a way, living his Western cowboy movie dream, and that's all I'll say about it, because it's kind of charming, and it's really kind of interesting, it's got a funny opening credit sequence, and um, and so I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of interesting. But uh, again, it's with uh, Ernest Borgnine. His last film was Wade Says. It also has um, uh, <laughs> has Dale Dickey in it and June Squibb and uh, a bunch of other people that uh, I've never heard of. But that's okay because they're all cute in a movie called The Man Who Shook Han- uh, the Hand of Vicente Fernandez. Nice. As a good victory lap for Ernest Borgnine.
0: Cool. Um, speaking of the human centipede, uh, if you want to take an art film approach to kind of a – to sort of something uh, similar, and I'm making a segue that makes no sense whatsoever, until you've seen Upstream Color. Did you see Upstream Color? They uh, got no. a very strange – you know, Cine Dime, which is the new company from uh, Chris McGurk, who previously was uh, the guy who ran um, – uh, uh, Bank of America. Overture. Okay, overture. Remember, we went to the overture party, and he was there shaking everybody's hand. Yeah. and we walked into his house. Wonderful and now guy. Wah, wah, wah. Well, CineDimes is his new company. CineDime, of course, acquired the uh, the and new video libraries, and, and they're they're trying to pioneer a whole new paradigm. And CineDime really upset a lot of people recently when they released a film. I'm sorry, when they when they pr- started promoting one of their films on one of the uh, the piracy sites. Right, and uh, there a lot of people felt like they had gone over to the dark side. Anyway, they're they're looking for they're, one of the things about Cinedyne is they're looking to really pioneer new ways of releasing independent films and making money back that just uh, blows up the uh, the distribution paradigm. So anyway, Upstream Color. Uh, had an interesting combination of cable and, uh, and, and theatrical and, and, you know, they, they, the festival exposure, and they're really trying to find a way to sort of squeeze every dime out with uh, some unconventional distribution thinking. Interesting packaging here, too. It's a really eye-catching digipack for the film Upstream Color, which is from Shane Carruth who uh, wrote and directed Primer. And Primer was like a really, really big... Independent. I like Primer. Primer's great. Primer's a terrific film. And this didn't get the same attention as Primer, obviously, because it's, it's a much more obscure film. But what, what's interesting is that Kareth didn't say, hey, I had a hit with Primer, now I'm going to go direct uh, you know, uh, a Marvel superhero movie. He just said, great, now I'm going to use my, uh, my capital and I'm going to do something that uh, nobody would otherwise greenlight. And this is, uh, this is about two people... Shane Carrath plays one of them. He co-stars in the film with Amy Simons, who um, basically become like one being in this weird kind of uh, illusory, hypnotic process. And um, it's kind of a dream. It's kind of a romance. It's... uh, it's kind of surreal, and it's kind of a poem at the same time, and it's a, it's a fascinating film. It was at the uh, 2000, 2013 Sundance Film Festival as well, and um, it, it's really an interesting film. I, I, there's almost no way to describe it. I, I hope this means that Kareth will make other things going forward. It, uh, this is really um, really a unique movie, and I, and I do recommend that people take a look at this, at least rent it. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo pack in uh, just a beautiful DigiPack packaging. And on top of everything else, I've got to salute uh, Cinedyne for basically doing uh, really interesting original work to get an otherwise unconventional film out there and to and to make some dollars with it. So it didn't get a big release or anything, but it's uh, really worthwhile checking out. Whee! All right, Mark, that does it. We are done, and uh, you're you're uh, you're a man about town today, aren't you?
1: I am. I'm taking my sax lesson now. Um, I'm a, I'm a lifelong intermediate sax player. and I'm trying to go. learn more about music theory. Yes. Because I'll become better.
0: Music theory.
1: Yes. Make like your Mixolydians and your Dorian's and your Net and your minors and well, your gonna, gonna be, your dominant 7s and your you're
0: gonna be trying out for the Tonight Show. By the way, the old Tonight Show drummer from the uh, he Doc died a Severson. couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, just want to bring that up. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, good deal. Well, enjoy your sax lesson, and uh, we will be back next week with more more fun foam and frolic.